0: Hello.
1: Hello.
0: Hello. Um, i feel like after listening to um i don't know 35 back to work
1: and roderick on the line episodes in the last month that i need to start uh, speaking <laughs> a british accent Ex- yes or at least uh, at least some some accent every different uh, every episode i have no i'm not good at accents like i think you do a really good canadian accent
0: I, well it's i i'm good at that one i'm good at canadian accents i'm i'm like, not so bad. Well, I'm not even going to say. I think I'm really bad at all accents. Because even if uh-huh. I thought I was not so bad at, like, a French-Canadian accent, if I did it, it would be, like, it's not good. That's
1: not good at all. Can can y'all do a Southern accent? No. No, I can't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. what. All our Southern listeners are now really angry. Yeah. D-
0: uh, Deep South hates us. Dr. Mm. Freeze. The, not, neither of them will. The, Is there's... she from
1: the South? I,
0: I'm not sure. She's from... Like maybe uh, South Detroit, like that foreigner song. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, South Detroit. Oh. You know there is no South Detroit. <laughs> I read some Wikipedia article.
1: I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure there's a South everything.
0: There's South. There's uh, there's South Raleigh. There's South Wake Forest. Uh,
1: the there's first- South Brunswick. South Brunswick. There's New Brunswick. I don't Brunswick. think it's. I don't think it's south of New Brunswick, though. I think. I think it, it's south of North Brunswick. And you know, there's an East Brunswick. There is no West Brunswick. At least not in uh, New Jersey. Maybe it's so far west. It's.
0: It's in the east. <laughs> it's, it's yes. Over, you know. You know what I'm saying. It's in. Uh, it's <laughs> I know in what Asia. you're saying. It's in Asia. It's way. It's. It's. It's across the pond. Across the other. The other
1: pond. The other pond, as they say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The hey. Left, so left man, pond. it's.
1: it's it's been a while. Oh, my god, I missed you.
0: I miss you, too. I've, th- I've been yearning for this, Don. Is that – that's the right – I think that's the right term. It is – can I tell you things about my office right now?
1: Uh, I thought you were going to tell me personal secrets. But, I, yeah, your no, office is
0: fine. I'm totally fine with it. We're getting to personal secrets. Um, so, you know, my, my floor has been replaced, as, as do the listeners. Yes. I am in my, um, my newly replaced floor.
1: But your 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 floor and your furniture. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the furniture is the the same furniture, but the 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 same furniture has been placed back in your office.
0: Correct. Which you're right has been replaced in my office. I have I have um, very nice carpet. I have um, still boxes from when I moved out of my office, so my furniture came back, but I have a bunch
1: of stuff still in boxes. I'm not sure I'm going to unpack it. Um. I also, well, you know what they say. You should you should seal that up, um, and then if you haven't opened it in six months, just throw it away. Well, I, I I'm going to. I think I might do. It. I, or don't they say you should put it in
0: a time capsule and bury it for someone else to find? That they also say that. Or put it into a, what are they what do they call like a cornerstone? A cornerstone in, yes, a, in a, a building. Yes, cornerstone. I'm going to yes. put it in my cornerstone. Um, I currently have an IR uh, thermometer gun in my hand. Um, because holy crap! Yeah, I know. Don't don't worry. I, I, it's I don't have a concealed carry license for this baby though. Got to <laughs> open carry, open carry this gun. Um, I have it because my office is cold, and it's. it's <laughs> Do you want to know how cold it is, Don? Because I can. I how can, cold is it, Ben? I can point this IR at the air register or air pushing place, and it <coughs> reports to me. That it is 52 degrees, 52.5 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not in the Celsius. It's not in the Canadian. Uh, so my office door is closed, and over the next uh, hour and a half, two hours that we talk, I will uh, continue to chill. I'm in a. I'm currently in a walk-in cooler that we'll call it my office. Outside Jesus. my office, if I put the IR gun on my door. To the outside, um, it shows that it is uh, seventy-one degrees,
1: which in, is actually not a bad office temperature. Be wonderful, you know what? Yeah,
0: not so. And I've, I have, um, I, I, every time. I don't know if I told you this before, but every time we have the power goes out, or every time that I think it rains in Raleigh, the air conditioning unit that is directly above my office gets restarted, and it makes my office and two other offices. Out of the seventy five or eighty offices in my um, uh, in my building, uh, cold. Really cold. Like I think but, on, this is the But only on average
1: source. they're seventy one.
0: Yeah, on average it's seventy one. Al- Everyone else is good. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So it's freezing. Uh, I might
1: I may chatter a few times. Um, but I and will So and and so you have you have the IR gun for just for purposes of like <laughs> seething, or are you actually collecting data, with which you will use to try to uh, motivate the bureaucracy that is NCSU uh, to take action? <laughs> I don't think I can motivate the
0: bureaucracy with data. Don't be <laughs> foolish. Oh, uh, silly me. Silly you. No, you know why I have the IR gun in my office. It has to do with <laughs> a little bit of follow up. Um, oh. I have an IR gun in my office because I don't have a probe thermometer in my office, and I use this IR gun. Where I have used it recently, for uh, the water temperature that I am uh, microwaving the water for my Aeropress for.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: nice, right? Cool. So I've got yeah, so I've got very this good, nice, yeah. But dual purpose uh, because I can also then tell you that the oh, yep, still uh, oh, I've hit a little different pocket of air that's coming out. Um, it's still on, but it's now uh, 54 degrees, so, so it's gone up a little bit. Maybe it'll get warmer. Um, yeah, so I've, I, I, I think, I mean, it's been forever since we talked. Um, you
1: well, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, so you, um, you had your floor replaced. Um, I didn't have anything <laughs> replaced, but, uh, but I have, as they say, uh, new hardware. <laughs> new, yeah, I have, a uh, hardware upgrade. Uh, I don't know if it's an upgrade. Uh, it's, uh, anyway, it's, uh, yeah. So I have, uh, like, uh, like Wolverine, <laughs> I have, uh, I have titanium in my, in my hand. Um, unlike Wolverine, hopefully, uh, it doesn't come shooting through, uh, when I flex my, uh, when I flex my fingers. So, well, we'll see. um, well, we'll, well see. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I am, uh, I actually did start physical therapy yesterday. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, so to catch those of you up who are not, uh, uh, aware. Uh, I broke my arm. Uh, it's going to be this Saturday going to be four weeks ago. And uh, it was pretty bad break. I was in the ER and then I was in the hospital and I had surgery. And anyway, uh, long story short, uh, I have uh, I'm on the road to recovery. I have a, uh, a removable splint. I also have a compression glove. So I actually do kind of look like a superhero, at least uh, from the left elbow up um, or down. Um, but no, but no, uh, but no claws shooting out my hand. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started physical therapy yesterday and oh my God, it hurts. Um, and it's so weird. Like the, the thing with, uh, the thing with an injury like this is you absolutely cannot move it and then you have to move it a whole lot. In a very controlled way, otherwise you'll lose functionality. So, um, yeah, so that's I'm embarking on uh, on that road. Um, and then to make things more complicated, um, we're going we're leaving for Ireland a uh, week from tomorrow. And, of course, uh, my, although my physical therapist uh, very much wanted to come with us to Ireland, oh. um, she, she's not going to be able to, <laughs> unfortunately. Logistics. Um, Logistic uh, problems. Yeah. Um, and then and then because of insurance they weren't sure they got me in for one appointment um, without insurance and then they can't schedule any more appointments until the insurance gets resolved but thank goodness to the wonderful people at I'll give them a plug in case in case you have a uh, an injury, and you live in Freehold, New Jersey. Um, advanced uh, orthopedics uh, and advanced orthopedics therapy uh, highly recommended. Um, uh, and uh, they they work with the, they work with insurance, and they and they got authorization. and And now I can uh, go on uh, Tuesday and probably Thursday and Friday next week. So not only am I going to be doing my own PT or I guess it's OT because it's, uh, I don't know, there's a difference between PT and OT. But anyway, um, uh, they're going to actually uh, be able to work with me at least uh, three more times before we leave for Ireland, which is good because I want to I get on the road. I mean, this I just this just absolutely sucks. And, and I, much as I dislike pain, I'm willing to suffer the pain because I do want to, I, I kind of need my left hand. I, I do use it for a lot of things. Although I've discovered uh, as a result of the injury, um, I don't really need it so much for typing because uh, Siri and Dragon Dictate, uh, I, can, I can actually get stuff done.
0: Well, that's that's fantastic, and I'm glad that um, you're on the uh, slow but steady road to recovery, and um, that you have uh, new Wolverine hands. Is your
1: glove hand, hand, hand single hand? Well, let's so not overstate it.
0: Now, now, is it um, is it within your plans to to also do the other side? Just so you're like even. You maybe maybe um, take, maybe take uh, Gibbs for another walk. Uh, with the with the cat and let me
1: let me think about that for a minute. No,
0: no, no. You're just the one. Just the one. Upgrade. Just the one. Just the one. <laughs> Man, um, can so so can I can I tell the listeners a little bit about how I learned about your your accident? Sure, absolutely. So I'm gonna have to scroll a little bit back in my texts, um, to uh, a discussion that I had uh, with who I thought was you. But it turned out that it was Kristen. Um,
1: oh yes, it's Kristen from my phone. Yes,
0: yes, yeah, Kristen from your phone. Um, who? Oh, well, the texts aren't loading. Anyway, I'll, I'll I won't read word for word, but um, basically, I got this uh, message. Uh, oh, it's because it's not from you. It's from she did it. Send it to all three: uh, Michelle mm-hmm. and Linda and I. Um, so I'm gonna have to scroll back, you know, seven thousand messages because there's so mm-hmm. many, so many. But anyway. Um, Kristen text, "Hey, it's this is Kristen from Dog, Don's phone, <laughs> and mm-hmm. Don has been in an accident, and here's a picture of him, and the picture of you was shocking, like you had been in like a train accident, um, and so I uh, we we didn't we didn't ask a whole lot of questions other than how how did this happen, and it, the answer was it was Gibbs related, uh, who as those who know Gibbs from the internet." Um, know him also as brett michaels and as i showed and and not just showed but felt much 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 concern for you i also concurrently were st- started googling pictures of brett michaels in like hospital gear being like around a dog and could find nothing nothing uh, no nothing. thank, thank goodness. goodness so i just gave up on that because i knew that would uh, uh be uh would result in the so angry um, response. Okay, so here here's how it starts. Um, hi guys, Kristen here. We had an accident with the dog lady last night and Donna's in the hospital. <laughs> and, the dog lady? Yeah, and then it goes with the dog and no dog lady. And then, <laughs> so we were concerned about you and the dog lady. Yeah. Um, and, but then it became... <laughs> She's a real bitch. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey. I get it. Uh, ding, boom. ding. Uh, I don't have my... Damn it. Good job, um, yeah. He'll pull through. Forty stitches in his face and a broken wrist that required surgery to fix. But the surgeon was very happy with the outcome. Uh, and then, and then uh, she texted a picture which which is which is, is looks like you are in so much pain. But my favorite part about this picture, which I'm sure you've looked at, and I'm not sure you posted this one, is that you have a hat on your head that has writing on it yes. that says, yes. "Please do not remove." <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is the greatest, greatest ever. Um, so well, and I have to tell you, I have to tell you the story of this. So I met, I met a lot of wonderful people as a result of this accident. I don't recommend getting in accidents as a way of meeting people, but, um, the, uh, the, the plastic surgeon who, who put in those 40 stitches was a wonderful, wonderful lady. And the orthopedic surgeon who fixed my wrist is, is also, um, a wonderful, a wonderful guy and, um, very different personalities. Um, she came into the um, uh, the room off the ER to stitch me up and Kristen and I kind of like look at each other and you know and make eye contact as she like comes in and then she walks back out again and our first thought is huh this uh, this is a lady who was homeless who um got lost and but then, <laughs> Because she was kind of disheveled looking. But, I mean, and appearances can be deceiving. She wa- And she was, like, dragging this little suitcase with her, like, like a homeless person might do. Um, but that had all of her plastic surgery supplies. And she sat there, and she was the kindest, most sweetest, most gentle lady. And she put all of these stitches in my face. And then she took them out a week, you know, one week and then two weeks later. And and just is, like, the just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, but she just looks, uh, you know, she's relaxed looking. I guess I would say, as opposed to uh, as opposed to my orthopedic surgeon who, um, you know, looks like uh, he would cut you <laughs> if uh, if you looked at him funny, well, in, in he's fact, uh, he's well, yeah, he does cut you. Like that's his yeah, job. exactly, exactly, exactly. Cut you and put, uh, put lots of pins in your wrist. But, uh, yeah, so he's a very, he's sort of, she's a very sort of like, you know, very relaxed sort of sweet person. And he, um, is like, uh, he's like super intense. Like, like, so I'm supposed to meet with him, uh, again to, to check in. Uh, and it was normally it would be. Four weeks, I guess, um, but he couldn't uh, meet with me in four weeks because he's riding halfway across the country on his bicycle during his summer vacation. Um, That's crazy. And then I'm That's out of town, stuff. and so we're, we're meeting in six weeks. So, but he's like really, he's a really good, really good guy. Like, uh, just really. Um, anyway, so heard some interesting stories. Uh, heard the story of how he came to the United States as a, uh, a freshman came to Rutgers, didn't speak a word of English. He's from Buenos Aires, uh, doesn't speak, didn't speak a word of English. His parents dropped him off and, and kind of threw him out the car door and said, see ya. Um, and, uh, and so he uh, needed to make money. Uh, and so he got a job as a bouncer. And, and he, he's a tall guy, but as he shared at the time, he weighed about 175 pounds. So he got a job as a, a, like this kind of gangly uh, bouncer and didn't speak a word of English. Wow um anyway really interesting guy so uh yeah
0: but not no longer a bouncer um no longer a bouncer no no
1: no longer a bouncer now he uh cycles and um uh, operates on people to uh, make them better
0: cuts people cuts people all yeah all,
1: yeah. Cuts people yeah oh, so man.
0: i am don i can't so i was uh as I, as I mentioned i was very shocked by the photo i'm just glad that we're able to do this again oh yeah like me I'm, too. I'm glad <laughs> this didn't end our podcast like that was that uh, that the, the, you uh, you're on the mend and we I mean we had even had a plan to record another podcast post, um, uh our uh, post um your your accident, uh while my, uh, I think no maybe I don't know yeah we we had some problems, with with timing
1: but. Um, <laughs> I, uh... I think it was mostly I mean, it was, I mean, admittedly, I was hurt badly. But I think honestly, Ben, most of the problems were due to your schedule. Yeah, it was. It
0: was me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're uh, like alive and, well, I you know, it, in, in a very heartfelt way.
1: Oh, I know, and I appreciate that. I shared with uh, I share with my son, uh, you know, about this because uh, he was so he had been living with us, and then he was he was visiting his mom. Um, and, and I shared. I said when I said, "Well, you know, it could be worse. I could be dead." And he's like, "No, Dad, it could be worse than that. You could be a vegetable." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, yes, you know, um, uh, that is horrifying and yet absolutely completely true." So thank you for that.
0: <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, head head injuries, crazy stuff, man. crazy yeah. stuff. It's yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, I'm I welcome back. Um, Thanks. I know our, our listeners have missed us cause people, mm. I mean, I, they might've all quit now. Right. Mm. Because we, because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, hopefully this – we're recording today, uh, July 1st, Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, by the
1: way. Oh, yes. Happy – hey, you know, I saw um, I saw that I posted uh, something about Canada Day. Facebook reminded me that I posted something um, about uh, uh, Canada Day uh, several years ago. And I, I think I shared uh, that I was at a party with a bunch of Canadians, uh, and they were celebrating Canada Day. And I was just standing there smiling politely, as would be appropriate, I think.
0: That's, in fact, what you do on Canada Day. It's, <laughs> in fact, that, that is – that's how I know you were at a Canada Day party. We just we all just smile uh, politely, and we talk about the weather, um, and <laughs> certainly don't
1: light off any explosives.
0: No, no, we wouldn't. I mean, because the, with, one, one would not do that. One wouldn't wouldn't do that in, in, in Canada because you know who knows who knows what wildlife we might be disturbing. Um, whether uh, it would it might impact our neighbors. Um, both, uh, those in the, uh, short close to us and, and ones that are further away. So no, uh, it's, it sounds like you celebrated Canada Day very correctly. I got to, I, I will get to celebrate Canada Day today in two or three different ways. I mm. arrived in my office today to, um, these very beautiful baked goods that one of my, uh, students, an undergrad who works for me this summer, uh, dropped off and they have um, they are, I believe, Whoopi Pies. I think that's uh, the correct way. We're not talking the newlywed game. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, they are. It's, it's amazing that you know that. I do know that. that was one of my favorite uh, uh, pastimes watching the newlywed game uh, when I was a child, which is probably not the most. It might explain reasons why I'm the way I'm. <laughs> Explained so many things it's, about you. Yeah, we should probably have talked about this before. But a Whoopi Pie, it's uh it, they are. Oh, did you know this? Uh, they, they're also known as the Black Moon or Gobs in the Pittsburgh region. Black and white.
1: I did, I did not know that. And th- I was. I was going to say. I, I. thought your baked goods were going to be in the shape of uh, maple leaf. But no. Uh, but
0: they're maple leaf. Um. So they're red. They're red velvet, for, oh, instead of chocolate. Okay. And they've got beautiful uh, Canada flags on them. Oh. I know. Nice. Sarah, Very nice. So so thanks. Big thanks to to Sarah Cope. Who and who didn't just make them for me? She made them for everybody in my lab. So when I arrived this morning, uh, I had these baked goods. I couldn't figure out exactly who made them, so I had to go around to everyone else's desks <laughs> and workstations. And I was here before everyone else was, and so by process of elimination, there wasn't anything on her desk, and she's not here today. Um, I de- I decided it was her, and then I confirmed, I corroborated that uh, with uh, in multiple spots. Um, so thanks to Sarah and I will I'm. It, uh, I, she may not listen to the show, so I, I will email her um, today her thanks. But it was it was such a sweet, nice thing. So yeah. Happy. Oh,
1: that's that's very nice. Happy Canada Day!
0: You know, this is our uh, it, it, Canada Day is is also known, I believe, as Dominion Day
1: because it was the day that we became a Dominion. Not I, I believe, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, it's also known as Fête du Canada.
0: Yeah, Fête du Canada. <laughs> That's very very true. Uh, it's uh, yeah maybe and uh, uh, and Monsieur du Confédération. Yeah bon bonjour uh, or as as uh, Siri says we oui, we oui.
1: Monsieur Monsieur right. Monsieur. Oh um, God I, I imagine the French version of actually does Siri does Siri only work in English I don't remember now I I know we've podcasts I listen to have talked about this but. I don't know I think it might it might I think it might oh it's Alexa that only understands English oh, but I think no I think no. Siri does actually uh, work in other languages if you tell it that you're speaking another language so right.
0: Siri I am oh, yeah, speaking yeah. French now Oh, sorry, uh, didn't work sorry um, yeah so Canada Day uh, this is uh, it's a big day big day in Canada uh, everyone will be partying hard in uh, in on in Ottawa and there will be fireworks, um, <laughs> but not uh, usually we don't see so many <laughs> it's hands. Very quiet fireworks. Yeah, just very just polite fireworks. More of a more more like um, like pops. Like uh, if sometimes yeah. they sound like when you open a, uh, a a soda can and then put your ear very uh-huh. close to the uh-huh. effervescent of the uh-huh. uh, carbon dioxide. That's that's what we do. And then everyone says sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm just gonna try and quiet that. <laughs> um yeah so uh <laughs> you catch my canadian accent there sorry so- sorry sorry i don't know if i can no i don't i don't catch it because i don't hear it i don't and it's more... I, after so um danny my 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 lovely wife um who you know from you know from the podcast and in, in person <laughs> and yeah yeah how many shut-ins now danny Yeah. Huh? Exactly. how many shut-ins now she don't worry she's not listening uh, there'll never be a concern. I can, I could spoil everything, <laughs> can tell all of my uh secrets on here, and they will not get to her unless someone who does listen sends her a message on Facebook. Um, she, um, uh, I was gonna tell you about it. oh, oh, so we, we in part of the reason why you and I couldn't record for a while is because I went to Canada, Canada, when, right? Yeah, we, we went, um. Uh, and had a lovely time uh, celebrating my parents' 40th wedding anniversary, and got to see a bunch of family, and we just we just had a, a great time in semi northern Ontario. I guess it's central Ontario, in the Coorthas, which is uh, north of Port Hope, where we're from. Um, and uh, one of those one of the days that we were there, we went and um, spent a, a bunch of time with with our friends from. University, not college, because I'm I'm going very Canadian today. Uh university. Mm-hmm. Uh and um and people that we lived uh we hung out with and uh were very close friends with in, in Guelph. And one of our friends told Danny for the first time that quote, she sounds like an American now. Oh my god. I know did it, she kill him? No, no, oh, that guy said that would be rude. No, what she said was oh I'm so sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really ap- I just, so, I apologize, but no, she, she was. I think she's a little shaken. I think she did, yeah, she wasn't yeah. happy, happy. I've been you know, I've 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 told you the story about um, very early after I moved to North Carolina and recording um, uh, webinars for a group in British Columbia. And they had to overdub my voice with someone who was Canadian, and then told me, <laughs> "Then told me, well, you understand, like this is for a Canadian ob- audience, so we had to have someone with a Canadian accent." Did you? Did I ever tell you this? Do you know this story? No, oh. no. This is you're not making this up. This is a real thing. Uh, yeah, I'm totally make, not making this up. Like, yeah, so this was for the British Columbia Food Processors Association, or as they're known in Canada, the British Columbia Food Processors Association. Um, <laughs> Yeah and it was uh I they they I had done um some uh, like I delivered a workshop for a couple of people on crisis management in a in a food you know, food related situation with outbreaks social media all this stuff and so they said hey we'd like to do these online modules could you um could you record them uh, you know, we'll pay you for your time, whatever the, you know, the material is, um, you know, wh- whatever you need for development. We'd like to make these available on our website as, like, ongoing resources for our um, for our members. And I was like, sure. And I recorded many of them, actually, in a hotel room in Dubai. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was, like, you know, using, um, you know, just recording them and getting them ready. And anyway... Um, yeah, at the end of it, I uploaded them and they, um, they said, wow, so here's the situation. We actually had to pay for some trans- transcripts and we got, uh, someone who is a prof- prof- professional voiceover artist to do voiceovers. Could you send us the, you know, the PowerPoint so we can re them? And I was like, sure. You know, and I really had thought it had to do with me, you know, uh, not being, not being podcast, uh, friendly at that point, not knowing how to speak, uh, you know, correctly uh, in doing a webinar and they were looking for someone with like a professional kind of radio voice and no, lo and behold at the end, they're like, well, we have to have someone with a Canadian accent. So (laughs) I'm sure you, I'm sure you understand. I was like, no, I don't understand. I'm a Canadian. Exactly. Don't don't tell me I understand. You don't understand. Yeah. So anyway, Danny is now in this, in this camp, according to one of our, Oh my gosh.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, it's a crisis. But you know, after, after a week there, uh, you probably get your accent back.
0: It's true. We pronounce poutine correctly, and schedule, and uh, processing. So Processing, processing.
1: Oh. processing. Uh, so, so you know, you were you were talking about your visit, and it uh, made me think of something. And uh, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna read something to you, and you're gonna you're gonna respond. Okay. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm here. There is a town in North Ontario. Oh,
0: there is a town in North Ontario. Do 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 do. Um, I. I know the next line of the lyrics. (laughs) There's a town in North Ontario with. I don't. Yeah,
1: yeah. I know the song. yeah, with uh, with dream comfort memory to spare. Because because what the hell does that mean, Neil? Anyway,
0: (laughs) it's something that he dreamt about. Yeah. Um,
1: so. So. Anyway. So you're talking about visiting a town in North Ontario. Of course, immediately made me think of uh, the lyrics, which I could, which I could g- Google on the internet here. Uh, lyrics to uh, the Neil Young song "Helpless." Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
0: Um, so. I. You know what? I know I mean, my favorite line of this song because I do listen mm-hmm. to this and not know. I mm-hmm. didn't know that it. Like I couldn't recite that dream come from memory spare. I do know all my changes were there. I
1: yes. Like, I like mm-hmm. that. Um, do you know blue, where this... blue, blue windows behind the stars, yellow moon on the rise, right. big you... birds flying across the sky, throwing shadows on our eyes. They, anyway, they
0: leave us helpless.
1: <laughs> it's a great song. It is. A great you song. know, it's kind of it's kind of short. It would be it would be a good uh, it would be a good karaoke song. You know, I think Ooh. I think I should really focus on Neil for karaoke because he can't sing either. It's true. But the
0: thing with doing Neil Young for karaoke, because I've done it mm-hmm. once, mm-hmm. is you have to sing like him.
1: Right. I could do that,
0: though. OK, good, because that, that. that is hard to me. Um mm. I, I did uh, I've done rockin' in the free world. Because uh-huh. it's, it's a sing-along. <laughs> it's a sing that's that's my new thing for for karaoke. Gotta find sing-along songs. Mm. Uh do you know so before we leave uh this tour of uh <clears throat> southern, central and northern Ontario, do you know the town that uh, that this is? This is helpless? You know what that town is? I don't know, but I bet you do. I do. It's Omimi. Omimi. Oh, Omimi. Um and Omimi. Ontario is a place where Neil didn't spend a whole lot of time, but his dad moved there, and his dad, um, it's it's actually in uh, very close, fairly close to where where we were uh, ah. uh, in our yeah in our last uh, uh, trip home, and it's not um, it's in the city of Kawartha Lakes, which is near Peterborough, um, and uh, yeah, and there's a. a and- a school there called uh scott scott young public school uh named after um named after neil young's dad who was a famous sports writer uh for uh the globe and mail um and, and other uh outlets in uh um in canada but yeah so he moved uh to to omimi and wrote in the in the attic hmm. it's kind of cool
1: and and apparently, also the home to the uh, Neil Young Museum, according to Wikipedia, which Absolutely. is uh, never wrong.
0: It, and it is never wrong. I've been there. I took a p- oh. pilgrimage to the Neil Young Museum uh, in uh, 2008 uh, when, uh, when my lovely wife Danny, who you know from the podcast, uh, is uh, was pregnant with our first child, Jack, and uh, we. I, I vividly remember thinking, um, "Hey, this is the right time for us to make this pilgrimage," and we went, uh, and it's on the main street in downtown Omimi and it's like an old house and has not just Neil Young paraphernalia, but other uh, cool rock uh, related things. And it's, it's pretty cool. It was, it was, it was very, um, uh, it, it was, uh, it was like a cathartic trip because, uh, you know, you know, I'm a big Neil Young fan so big that I can't yeah. remember lyrics, but, I <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then we drove by Scott Young, um, uh, public school as well. And um, the the the, uh, um, the home that Scott Young also purchased, where Neil spent some of his younger years. But then Neil went to Winnipeg and lived with his mom. There, if I don't know, have you ever read um, Shaky? The I have not. It, it is it's one of my favorite biographies. It's just it's well written. It's it's worth it. It's a, it's a good uh, check out Shaky the um it's the, about neil young and that's neil young's uh um nickname growing up was shaky hmm. uh and it, go, it sort of details the this his whole upbringing and uh and he do you know do you know neil's uh he's got an older brother who's a really good golfer i did not know that yeah it's like it's, uh, it's well, you're not you're not fully canadian
1: no, not even close. No,
0: you're like, <laughs> I mean, close, close, close. But, uh, yeah. just over the border. Yeah, yeah. just over, just, just uh, yeah. And then you've got, uh, you got uh, David Bacon, who's uh, a, a long-lost relative. David yes. Bacon Schaffner.
1: Yes, who is definitely Canadian. Definitely Canadian. Well, he's from Nova Scotia. Is that, uh, oh, is that the same yeah. thing?
0: Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Home of the Trailer Park Boys. Um, so anyway, check out, check out Shaky. It's really good. What's not great mm. is the, Neil Young's autobiography. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's not good. It's it's yeah. It's not it's not my thing. It's uh, I think it's called waging heavy peace. Uh, yes, a guy. I see a
1: hippie, a hippie dream. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's here on the Amazon page for uh, shaky. So
0: yeah, it's it's not my uh, not my cup of tea. Uh, mm. So so anyway anyway um, yeah, it's a little little Neil Young. Um, oh, oh, that's me hitting my. So I I have another piece of follow up for you. I texted you about this. I made reference. You did. To it. I did. You have over the last two and a half years told me that I should be listening to oh. Roderick on the line. I I yes. I believed you. But I didn't But you not. just couldn't make it happen. I just didn't make it happen. It's not that it couldn't, I just didn't. And uh as I have been driving all over the world and uh 14 hours to Canada and uh, you know, now that my children have headphones for their iPads, I can listen to uh, podcasts and music and all this whole good thing um i listened to a bunch of roderick on the line maybe 10 12 episodes and it's phenomenal
1: well, and now have to ask uh, how did you start uh back uh,
0: backwards I, I i've not gone from both ends i'm just going from the from the front the front end the rear end i don't know i'm going i'm going from most recent episode backwards
1: okay backwards that's okay
0: yeah. I like backwards.
1: that's it's not it's not canonical but uh, it's
0: non-canonical uh it, um, but, but
1: it but it's acceptable.
0: Yeah, it's it's not willy nilly. It's not uh it's not willy nilly, it's not, not willy nelson. It's not willy nelson, not willy nilly. It's not uh I'm not I didn't just pick like it's episode. not milly Vanilli. It's no, it's definitely not uh it's not blaming it on the rain. I think you're thinking of um uh, CCR. I think you're right. I think, yeah. Um Ad Moon Rising. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's there's a bathroom on the right. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, ding. Um, so no really good really good enjoyed uh I, I, i've enjoyed the uh the banter it's just it's a it's a totally different podcast so i mean you have mentioned it all other listeners that probably listen to other good podcasts know about it and probably have no idea why i've taken so long but um really enjoyed the storytelling aspect you that's exactly what you mentioned about it and uh and John Roderick can tell a good story
1: oh, um he can so tell a story
0: and he's he's <clears> fascinating <throat> and I like the music uh, the most recent episode that I listened to um, was on a plane earlier this week and it was uh, about a 15minute discussion about the band in excess mm. and it mm-hmm. was I think it was this week's episode it's really great um, yeah so anyway thanks for thanks for that um so now they're well, they're in the they're in the queue I get them I well get them delivered
1: directly to my phone do you know you can do that people get I I, I did. I did. You can download them. You can listen. You can download and listen. Yeah. can leave um, yeah. stuff, comments. Yeah. So I um, uh, I am seriously behind because of this <clears throat> accident. I'm not driving, uh, which is a time when I listen to podcasts. Um, I'm not walking the dog, which is a time when I listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, will you walk the dog again? <laughs> uh, well, someday I will. <clears throat> I walk him I, bring him. I bring him from the backyard into the house, which is what caused the problem. Oh um, but uh, what I do now is I hook him onto the gate, <clears throat> and then I open the gate, and then he walks about three feet, and then he stops short because his leash is hooked around the gate. Um, and then I unhook him and, and carefully uh, lead him into the house. And, and if he bolts after a cat, I'm just letting go. Um, yeah. yeah, he's gone. You are get a new dog. But <laughs> But uh, no, no, I can Sweet, um, I hate him, but he's sweet. Um, actually, <laughs> I really hate the cat. I hope the cat's dead. But um, <laughs> can't 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 blame Gibbs. Um, but I'm so I'm seriously seriously behind on my podcast listening because of those things. And so and what I've also been doing because of the uh, the WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference, which as you know, Ben, when I'm not podcasting or professoring, I'm actually an Apple developer. Not really, but. Um, you, you and so, I've been listening to my my nerd uh, development Apple podcast because uh, that's going to that's very topical <clears throat> and timely. And so, what that means is I am now <clears throat> two episodes of Back to Work behind, three episodes of Roderick behind, oh my gosh, uh, three three episodes of Roadwork behind, and two episodes of Reconcilable Differences behind. Um, so I am. <clears throat> I'm very behind on my uh, Dan Benjamin, um, uh, John Roderick, Merlin Mann, and uh, John Syracuse uh, listening, um, and uh, yes, yeah, so, and I've got in the queue. I've got oh my God, I've got an episode of the talk show uh, which has two and a half hours remaining, and then after that, an episode of ATP which hasn't, which is an, almost an hour and a half. So I'm uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna catch up eventually. I don't know when. Maybe uh, maybe I'll have some long airplane airplane flights and I can catch up. But uh, yeah, so. Um, seriously, behind on my podcasting, but anyway, at least one of us is listening to uh, Roderick on the line, and that's good.
0: It really is good. I'm thank I thank you for this uh, for for making me um, do it. For you are yeah for the, for the suggestions. Really, it's it's added. There's another podcast. This is this is a podcast talk talk today. Um, do you know uh you know the Malcolm Gladwell you know how uh how he's not not well regarded by some people and some people love him? you know about that guy Tur-
1: turns turns out
0: turns out he's got a got a podcast called revisionist really? History, which uh. Uh, is actually pretty good um, huh. and you know who the number one fan of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history podcast is? Mm, Merlin Mann? Nope <laughs> my son Jack. <laughs> really yeah so we as we were driving uh back and forth to canada um we were listening to uh, you know it, it, it this popped up there's only been three episodes and we ha- i had two of them and i hadn't listened to them, so i started listening and he was really into it and there it was mm. yeah he i mean this this kid of mine likes the he likes the documentaries and this is uh mm. he's like yeah it sounds like a documentary that i'm listening to i'm like that's a great way to think about a, a podcast or at least this this specific podcast because it cool. does sound like that, it was really cool. So, um, yeah. So check check that out if you're if you're interested. It's there's, it's more in the style of uh, serial where there's a story being told and short interviews with certain people who are part of that story. Um, my uh, my favorite uh, uh, episode uh, so far is uh, episode number two, and it's Saigon, 1965, and it's about. Um, this uh project that uh the nsa uh, not nsa that um the pentagon did uh during the vietnam war to understand more about the people behind the conflict and what their thoughts were uh and it talks about this big think tank in um in california like in the san jose or something um that uh went and did a bunch of really cool interviews with uh you know, defectors and supporters. And it was, it's just like, you know, 44 minutes of this really kind of cool story. Um, and, uh, you know, something that I didn't know anything about. And, uh, so, so Gladwell does a good job at at that kind of stuff. Who knows? Like, I mean, there's always, a some sort of, uh, cherry picking to, to what he does, but he's a good storyteller as well. You know what I don't like, Don? (laughs) What I tried to like? This, 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 this American life. Really? I don't like it. Hmm. I don't know. I can't connect. I can't. I've, I've tried to listen to like fifteen episodes of it, and I just don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. Like hmm. it's too. It's maybe it's that I don't think they're as good storytellers. I mean, I think Ira Glass is interesting, but yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know, you have to pick and choose, and you have to. I mean, it's certainly not worth slogging through something that you don't like. Um, <clears throat> Whether that's a book you don't like, or you know, or, or a podcast you don't like, life's too short, right? Yeah. Uh, and I I know I know even though I'm I'm behind on my podcast, I know eventually I will catch up with these podcasts and I will I will enjoy them. But uh, in the meantime, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's just limited limited amount of time and attention. Um, I think there's a talk on uh, on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. somebody. Um, uh, yeah, and you just have to, uh, you know, life's too short, right? Uh, you know, carpe diem. Uh, don't uh, don't listen to life's too short to listen to bad podcasts.
0: Yeah, well, and this is so uh, being real meta about this. Who knows whether we make a good podcast or not? But life's too short for us to talk for uh, thirty nine minutes uh, about food safety talk without talking about food safety. <laughs> Whoa, what a, huh? What a, what, a, what a segue there. Who knows? Who knows what I just said? Uh, um, hey, I got, I got stuff for ya. you. Yeah. Got stuff, and you got stuff for me.
1: Wait, I got something for you. Wait, hold on. Here's what I got for you.
0: Bing. Thanks, bud. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. That's a real Canadian thing. So after spending a week in Canada. Beauty. Um, did I, What I, what a beauty you are. That's, that's as Canadian as I get right now. Yeah. Uh, hey, so here is, um, I guess my favorite thing that's gone on in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, that. <sighs> okay, I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready. That I'm just edge, I'm, edge of my seat. Uh, the, edge, uh, the edge. of your seat. The edge of uh, of my. Seat. Oh, speaking, speaking oh. of which, let me explain. For because I know people are really fascinated uh, what we do when we podcast. So um, I am uh, on my treadmill. Oh. Uh, but I'm sitting on my treadmill. I'm sitting on a chair on my treadmill. Now, usually <laughs> when I'm in the sitting mode, because um, I walk on the treadmill, um, but not while I'm podcasting because then I'd be out of breath, normally I would sit on a yoga ball. Um, but because of my injury, I figured that would be very risky. So I have, I'm sitting on a folding chair on my treadmill. So I want, you know, theater of the mind, right? I want everyone to conjure up this uh, image of me sitting in front of my uh, adjustable desk, which is in the lower position, um, uh, and I'm on a folding chair on my treadmill so there you go
0: well i i you just <laughs> talked about like why that might be um not say i think that hopefully your treadmill doesn't <clears throat> turn on
1: like that it's it's not turned on right now no i'm and i'm not going to turn it on right now because that would be foolish that would be amazing if you
0: that would maybe be a way for you to get your other wrist done
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i uh, or or make the pins uh, shoot out oh, uh, through just like uh, wolverine okay. so okay. i'm not oh, gonna that I, oh. My healing powers are not as good as his. No, no.
0: Okay, so here's what here's here's what what I've got that I want to talk about. We mm. talked in the last episode um, about uh, well, last two episodes really a little bit on um, uh, Listerion frozen in frozen foods, right? CRF foods. Yes. 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 We yes. now had another uh, recall um, that was linked to some frozen peas that went into a whole bunch of different. Um, uh, different places and something that, uh, that I wrote about on barf blog, um, uh, a few days ago is and that, that you, that you, 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 noted that ended up in our mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. is this idea of, um, CRF, uh, frozen foods in, uh, in, um, uh, out, out in Washington, uh, has said that, uh, they haven't found the source and they're giving up. That's the way that I wrote this, read this. So they, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a, an article in the Tri-City Herald, um, and the consultant who is acting as spokesman for CRF during the crisis said the company will turn its attention from trying to find the source of the deadly listeria pathogen to securing federal approval to restart production. I hate that. Yeah. I like, right. Like this is, and I, I didn't write, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, stuff on this i just wanted to get it out there so you know w- what i wrote about was yeah it's tough to find listeria in a processing plant um, you, we have a whole bunch of en- environmental sampling that goes on blah 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 but how do you f- how do you fix the problem how do you how do you make it if you ne- how do you fix it if you can't find it right and maybe i'm right. being too cynical on this that well maybe we never find the source but you got to keep looking right like to say well, there's no nothing to fix um, that's a problem to me,
1: right like oh, we're just gonna yeah. stop looking, yeah, well, and I have to ask, like how hard are they looking? Uh, do they have anyone helping them look? Have they brought in <clears throat> people who you know hunt Listeria for a living um, right? I yeah. mean, yeah I, I mean I understand that they need to restart production and and the the story that you linked to says they laid off uh, 250 workers uh, okay, right I mean because yeah you're not producing you can't keep paying people at least uh, you know and that that's going to impact your bottom line but um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you, yeah, I, I uh, if I, if I was, if I was these guys, I would bring in, bring out the big guns. I'd like to know again, like we, we've criticized Chipotle for, uh, what are you doing? And, and have you hired anybody? Have you brought in any outside experts? Cause God knows there's, there's smart people out there that are really good at finding Listeria. And obviously, uh, CRF is not so good at finding it. Otherwise they would have, uh, found it already. Right, so, right. uh, and they, and they wouldn't have had the outbreak cause they would have been monitoring and they would have been dealing with it. So. And maybe,
0: yeah, yeah, and maybe I guess uh, like on one one side of this, maybe you never find the source, but to say, oh, I'm turning my attention from finding the source to making sure that we restart is just so like, I don't know, like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me in, in the sense that, um, I, I should uh, like, (laughs) like OJ with the killers should always be looking for the source. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, that's not a good, that's not a good reference.
1: Um, but yeah, yes. But here's the thing. So the quote says, uh, "Turning its attention from finding the the source of the deadly listeria pathogen to securing federal approval to restart production." Well, I would think that part of securing federal approval would be convincing the agency that you've done everything you can to find the problem, right? And I guess probably there are. I'm imagining there's FDA people in the plant, uh, right? So uh, yeah, I don't know. I would think so. I would think those two things are tied to each other
0: right like yeah. The, yeah um so i don't know i it, this is this, this is where the where as you and i have talked more about listeria and frozen vegetables and where we see these whole genome um sequence outbreaks come up and and we know like this this one here um is, is uh, it, 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 it there's no no situation that I can think of where this is not some residential hysteria, right? Like, that it's a very close, 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 uh, you know, closely sequenced pathogen that led to these eight illnesses over a three, a four, you know, three and a half year period. Um, so the thing is that there's a source. It's not like that source magically went away or was eliminated, especially if they couldn't find it. So I'm just, I mean, why? Right.
1: Right what? right what what, how, what what reason do they have to believe that they wouldn't just keep producing listeria positive product right Exactly it, uh, unless unless this is a frozen food plant and it's very cold and they've shut it down. So maybe it's warmed up and maybe that's changed the microflora. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just by shutting the plant down that, that helps to get rid of listeria. But I, uh, I don't know. I would be a little, a uh, little skeptical. Well, and, and the thing is, how would you know that if you didn't,
0: you know, you, if you didn't validate it or didn't, you know, I don't know. Um, the, the There's another quote in here um, from a friend of the podcast and, a uh, former guest on our podcast, uh, Bill Marler, um, who says you don't have to have a filthy, dirty, horrible plant to have listeria. Um, and I, I agree with that. I think that y- you, you can still the, – the issue isn't filthy, dirty, and horrible plants. It's do we have plants that are creating the right environment and situation for residential listeria, or not non-transient um, listeria, and you know, you can have a really clean plant that's got a lot of um, transient listeria coming in, depending on the product. But it's not, I guess, filthy, dirty, and horrible to me. Doesn't isn't the right thing? It's do I have a plant that is built and and, and leaves me open for listeria to set up shop in certain areas that may end up getting into my product? Right? Like I I don't know. I just I had this. that picture of filthy dirty and horrible that's not the right for me that wasn't the right piece to take away it's like yeah well they had a a decent plant, but but is it is the equipment cleanable and sanitizable is is the facility itself sure it looks great but do we have um good harborage areas and maybe that's what what bill was trying to uh trying to get at and, and didn't get the you know the full quote in
1: Right. Well and in fact the other interesting bit in that story is the last line, which says that Marlar says his firm has been contacted by Listeria patients, though none uh, whose cases have been genetically linked to the strain found in the CRF products, which, which to me is interesting. So, so, so he's not really involved in the, the case from a lawsuit perspective, at least not right now. So that's, that's, that's another kind of an interesting piece to all of this. Well,
0: and so I, I don't know if we talked about this, uh, and I'm not sure if, if I had a conversation with him or I read this or, or something, but remember around Bluebell, it was a similar thing, or maybe he was, he was interviewed about it, um, but where I, I believe that there were, at that time there were no lawsuits linked to, to Bluebell from the ill cases um, that, that were in the CDC report and, and MMWR, um, and, and it would be the same thing here because those individuals may have already passed since becoming ill, and I think that was the case with, um, with, with Bluebell. And then also there wasn't, because of the time frame, um, and the lack of public information, which probably has to do with HIPAA, um, there wasn't a way for, for, for Bill or for someone else who was looking to, you know, potentially um, represent people to go and say, oh, we know who these eight cases are, right? Like, so there might be people that were there, but they, but those people who were sick may not even have a clue that they were sick from these these outbreaks, right? Like those eight people that are sick from CRF might not even know, they just knew that they had listeria. And now we're all talking about this, but there's a disconnect there because um, it's unclear whether CDC or state health departments would, would then inform people who
1: were sick three years ago that this was the source. Right, that's, that's an excellent point. And one that I had not thought about, right, there's no way Uh, Not that he would do it anyway, but there's no way for Marler to learn who those people are. They would have to contact him, which is, again, probably part of why he runs his website the way he does and and the the work that he does. I mean, you know, he's he's a businessman and he wants to generate, uh, you know, uh, Internet traffic um, because people think, oh, I got sick from Listeria. I should contact this this Marler guy. Um, But, yeah, and you're right. I mean, so maybe and and again, it doesn't exactly say this in the sentence, but but uh, his firm might have been contacted by Listeria patients who thought they might be victims. C R F frozen foods, right? That's yeah. the phrase that's missing. But that that kind of if you fill in the blanks there, that uh, but again, the, but he then he could then he could ask for information from them and get get their uh, you know uh, data released about the strain, and then he can check to see whether it matches the uh, the C R F products, and it turns out it doesn't. So yeah, I uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, you know I'm glad. <clears throat> I'm glad that the frozen food food industry is moving uh, towards uh, getting this uh, problem under control. So good for them for moving. Uh, shame on them for um, uh, basically putting their heads in the sand for uh, 10 years uh, or more, uh, saying, "Well, this is a product that's not ready to eat. We put it right on the label, and people should, you know, shouldn't uh, eat it right out of the bag or whatever. Shouldn't slack it out and eat it. And and obviously, you know, that's um, you know, they they've they've got the message now, but 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 honestly, they could have been working on solving this problem for ten years, and they, and they weren't. They were they were saying it's not it's not us, it's not us, it's not our problem. Right, right, right. And
0: and I want to come back. You know, we, we talked in a previous episode a little bit about labels, and we went through the um, I think the Green Giant label um, situation. I had a conversation with a, um, a, a frozen food um, frozen vegetable processor uh, earlier this week about um, environmental sampling and product sampling, and just you know they just wanted to. Um, you know, pick my brain. I guess on a couple of things. I don't like that term. I don't even know why I use it. They just wanted to talk to mm. me about things. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say that. Um, and uh, <laughs> I just self edited that. Um, we'll but, fix that in post. Yeah, we'll fix that in post. Um, so the the thing that um, that we got into a discussion about was like I was like I said, you know, so you guys are you know kind of aware of CRF and and this outbreak that's going on. And they're like, uh, no, we don't. I mean, don't really know. Much about that, um, and this this processor also wasn't familiar with AFI or the you know um, the frozen the American Frozen Food Institute. So I I'd, I'd, uh, suggested they get in contact with the good people there and their uh, resources. But we got into this uh, conversation about labeling and not ready to eat and ready to eat, and, and so I said, you know, the way that you are approaching your food, is, is, is a not ready to eat product? And they said, yes. I said, how do you tell your consumers, your, your buyers, that this is a not ready to eat product? And they said, well, we have a, a, a message on the back of our bag that says cook before consumption. And I said, does it say what temperature to cook it to? Does it say how long? does it say anything about this is not specifically right eat or is it just kind of like a nice thing to say like hey you should maybe you know cook this before consumption or, or or not whatever and they're like yeah it's more of the latter not the former and and that you know we you and i have talked about lots about labels don't work they're not great but if you don't have it on the label then you can't expect anybody to follow it like it's it's more being able to to have um, customers and consumers uh, handle products safely um, is is going to be an ongoing battle for all of us for a long, long, long time. But you got to start with, well, do I have the right message? If someone really wanted to do it correctly, and someone was wondering what the safest way to prepare this product is, do I even have the right message for them? And and you know, cook before consumption is is not the right message. It's not like it's not even close. To me, because it's it better def- than nothing, but but yeah. it's but it's just barely. Yeah. It's just bar- exactly. It's just better, barely better, better than nothing, and and over the past um, couple of months, as we uh, as you and I have seen this this uh, outbreak and these recalls uh, happen, the in my you know daily interaction with people that are some food safety people and some not food safety people, when we talk about this stuff, there's a pretty. Uh, this is, this is unscientific. Uh, I'll give you that right now. But my, my guess, if I had to make a hypothesis that I would test with some sort of experiment, is that uh, people don't look at frozen vegetable items as not ready to eat foods. And, yes. And we got to tell them we got to fix that. We have to confirm it and then fix it uh, because uh, they're not ready to eat foods. Or the ones that are um, and the ones that, that aren't look exactly the same. <laughs> like they're, they're yep. still frozen vegetables. Yeah. Um so
1: but but I want to come back to something that you said at the beginning of this story two things that you said at the beginning of the story this was a frozen vegetable company that contacted you yes right yeah. they had not heard of the CRF problem yes and they didn't know who Affy was yes unbelievable right uh terrifying I think would be a better term um the, the so here's the thing it took the industry 10 years or or whatever to to get on board with uh, fixing the problem, and AFI now, uh, you know, moving forward as fast as they can to fix the problem. The fact that there are people out there who are in their industry, who are not aware of the existence of this this trade association, and that are not aware that frozen foods can have listeria, and that there's an outbreak going on right now, or there's a, there's we're 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 dealing with the repercussions of an outbreak. How? Uh, that yeah. that boggles my mind i i how, how can that be I, that is just that's terrifying it, it is and i think it's it's a um it, it
0: is i don't know if it's the norm or not the norm but it's not it, it's not unique and and we could tra- we could uh um exchange frozen vegetables for flour for and mm. i mean for you know maybe maybe not meat but processed foods i think this is not I mean, it's it's it was not um, something that I wanted to hear. At least that these these folks have been in contact with with someone on the, you know, they tried to get at me, uh, and then and then I put them into contact with some some other folks on this. Um, but I think you you know this is this is a it's a bigger issue, Don. It's and it's something to steal something from from Doug, around um, requirements for coaching hockey versus requirements for making food.
1: My yes. One. Yes.
0: Right. Like it's this great yes. situation. And in fact, I had a really big conversation with some guys that I play hockey with, who coach their kids, who are like the coaching requirements are you know insane. It's it's not insane from not like this doesn't make sense, but it's there's a lot of work. Like I gotta do. Um, I have to go to a classroom for eight hours to learn about how to coach, the theory of coaching. Yep. Yep. I then have to do somewhere in between eight and 12 hours of online modules over the course of four or five months about more in depth, about specifics about coaching, about handling, um, you know. Uh, sexual assault about, uh, working with, uh, volunteers. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that USA hockey just tells me in, in, uh, hockey Canada, in Canada and probably all the other places. And it's not just hockey. It's all these other volunteer sports organizations Mm -hmm. because there've been so many things like these are the things you will do before you step on the ice
1: and be in charge of, of children. Yeah, well, and it's the same thing with uh, Boy Scouts, right? I mean, right. it's exactly the same thing. You have to go through youth protection training, uh, and you have to go through other training to do other things. And and yeah, because of course, you know, you you have a situation where you could potentially have uh, sexual abuse. You have a situation where you know, gosh, you're out in the woods with uh, these young men um, who are going to be lighting fires and uh, right. and using knives and axes, and and you need to be safe. And yeah, and it's not it's not hard, um, but it's burdensome. Absolutely, it's burdensome. And and the continued re- requirement for continued training—it's it's burdensome, and yet and yet apparently you can you can manufacture frozen foods, frozen vegetables, and and not be aware of any of this. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a head scratcher.
0: Absolutely, and, and I think that so in our l- let's look at frozen foods right now, and in our current regulatory requirements, they're required to have an inspection, right? Like into uh, twenty one CFR one ten or whatever the that is that has changed to as FSMA goes. Um, you know, gets, implement, or gets implemented and, and becomes effective and people start in, uh, I guess it's effective already, but um, become, becomes um, inspected against or inspected to, then there are additional requirements uh, as it gets phased in to have someone who goes through uh, training that you and I are familiar with, um, you know, the become a preventive controls qualified individual, uh, and then they would be required to write a food safety plan. In all of that, Don, is there any training that says if I run frozen foods? This is my question to you, and I know the answer to. And I don't sound like I'm being ceremony. Um, in all of the hat, um, is there any requirement that says you need to pay attention to people in your um, in your industry? And you should probably be aware of your trade groups, and you should you, you should know where the resources are, and you should know that if there's an outbreak, that you should learn from that. It doesn't, it still doesn't satisfy that. Like that's that's above and beyond the regulation. I asked that question and answered it right there.
1: Yeah. Well, let me let me give you my answer. And I have not. I am not a uh, preventive controls qualified individual. Uh, I am not. Um, a uh, certified lead instructor. Uh, I do, however, sit on the group of people that approves uh, other people to be a <coughs> lead, lead instructor. So, uh, but but I myself, am myself, I'm not qualified. Um, but but my point, my point in all of this is I do teach HACCP, I have taught HACCP for many years. And one of the things I talk about when I talk about validation of your HACCP plan, not verification, but validation of your plan is one of the things that you need to do is keep up with stuff, yep. right? And so you should look at, you should read about outcomes. Outbreaks from related products or outbreaks in your industry, and so that is a big part of HACCP. And I can, I would hope, in the preventive controls training, that part of that validation of your process is to look for competitors or look for sister companies you know related people in your industry that are having problems and and also uh, a great place to go for information would be trade associations and and by the way you should join IAFP it's only fifty dollars a, a year for, and i can bet for sure, for that 50 bucks, you're going to get the free electronic newsletter. And I bet that frozen foods and Listeria has been covered in that free electronic newsletter that you would get for your 50 bucks a year. So it's probably worth 50 bucks a year uh, just to stay informed. And boy, boy, if you can afford to attend the annual conference, that's fantastic. But geez, at least pay the 50 bucks, read the electronic newsletter, you know, read Barf blog, read Marler's blogs, right? It's not that hard um, to to keep up at least a little bit, right? Especially if you're narrowly focused on frozen foods. Uh, Gosh, you know, you, you could you could keep up quite easily, I think.
0: Yeah, and and just know that, uh, I mean, I, the, if, if if you're listening to the podcast, you're already doing that, right? Like, so well, we're, exactly. We're, we're not, preaching we're preaching yeah. to the choir, right? yeah. yeah. But but that's that, that's a concern to me. Is and exactly like like you you looked at is like, well, how did you, how do you not know that this is going on because it's your it's your industry? Like that's I mean I don't know. Maybe we don't we don't deal with the ins and outs of what it's like to run a processing. Uh, business, but um, and I'm sure that there are lots of things that fires that get fought every day. I'm gonna use all the cliches I could today. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a ding, uh, just put another check on my board for cliche. but um, thank you. Um, and, but th- this is the source of uh, th- or this is what it means to have a good food safety culture, is that you have someone there who their job is to make sure that they know, what might torpedo your company what might take you down and learning from crf frozen foods from um you know kale linked uh recalls uh for for listeria for um you know bluebell, all these things they should have those stories at their disposal and and be able to learn from them and if not you know this uh, then then why do we why do we kind of bother reporting it right like if not to learn for the ne- from the next
1: time Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I've been doing a bunch of uh, consulting stuff for uh, small companies. Well, one one big company and a couple of small companies. And I got one where I got a phone call from a guy who runs a very small slaughter operation. And he said, "Yeah, the inspectors have tagged my product because we had a compressor failure. Uh, we had temperature rise on the product, and I need uh, I need to know if it's safe or not. Or basically, he says I need you to I need you to write me a letter that says that it's safe." And it's like, well, it doesn't actually work that way, right? For, for, first, first you have to give me data and then I have to think about the data and then I have to run some computer models and then I have to, you know, make my expert opinion. Um, And I was talking about, you know, how long it would take and what it would cost. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we can probably, we can do that, but I need it in 30 minutes. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not gonna, I can't do that. Um, And then we hung up the phone and then I got a call back from somebody else in the company He said, yeah, you were talking with uh, my colleague. Um, He doesn't always speak like perfectly clear English. So maybe you didn't understand. No, no, let me tell you, let me tell you what the last two sentences in the conversation. Where uh, can you do it? Uh, I need you to do it in 30 minutes. No. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, well, well, we could, we actually, yeah, we want to sell the product right away. We need to move it, but but I understand. And then and they, and you know, again, I had a very nice conversation with this guy um, who understood. It's like, you know, i I will, yes, I will help you, but I can't, I need you, I need data from you. And that's the other thing. I'm talking with this guy, and, and it's like, I need you to send me an email with the, the times and the temperatures. And he's like, Well, I'm really not good at email. I'm like, okay. <sighs> he said, Can I just read to you over the phone? And I'm like, well, sure, but let me tell you this, my left wrist is broken and I write my left hand, but sure, if yeah. you if you want to do it this way, go ahead. And I was kind of a jerk about it, but I'm like really? You can't, you can't, and I I understand it's a small company and they don't have, you know, they don't have, they had, they had some data and it, they, but they're not really sophisticated, but that's okay. I mean, that's like, that's, you know, that's, that's part of my clientele. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta help them. So anyway, he told me the data and I, I actually, turns out from, although it was a rather significant temperature abuse the temperatures didn't really get very hot and, and the trick with uh, uh, worrying about uh, salmonella and things as long as it doesn't get like up into like like warm temperatures like as long as it stays down in the 50s and 60s yes Salmonella will grow um, but it really doesn't grow that fast and so you don't really have to start worrying until you get up in the 70s and 80s for a significant amount of time so it turns out it was fine and I was able to write a letter uh, and, and help them out in terms of, uh, in terms of the problem. But, uh, but anyway, that was my experience with working with a small company. So I, believe me, I get it, right? But, but the, I guess the, 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 the thing that occurred to me, the contrast that occurred to me is with meat, and again, we love to bash on uh, USDA FSIS and, and God knows the industry will tell you how the FSIS makes their life miserable, but boy, they're there every day and if they see what even looks like a problem, they will tag that product and, and then the company will have to sort it out Whereas with FDA, you know, they're in there, you know, every two years, whether they need inspecting or not. And, and, you know, depending on the quality of the inspector, they may or may not find something. So I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, and it's going to, with, with FISMA coming, uh, it's going to be interesting. So,
0: yeah. And it's only going to get crazier, I think. Right. Because I, I think you're right. Because we're, because what, and, and in it, in a, in a, in in one sense, that's, that's, it's good. Because what, what it means is we, we will have an increased number of um, investigators, as, uh, as FDA calls them, uh, or you know, um, inspectors on the, on the state level that will be um, additional eyes and, and ears uh, in, in these plants that are explicitly going to be looking for what's your plan here and how, do you have some sort of preventive control and have you, have you validated it, and, and that will... In turn, you know, generate like a hundredfold more of those those calls that you have uh, uh, on what do I what do I do what do I do here, or now I have to start looking. And I mean, I I think the um, I I think it will look if we go down the road two years from now, just like recalls are on on the increase because we're better at identifying them. It's going to look like these four eighty three letters. Uh, or 483 reports and, and warning letters are going to go up immensely, just because we have more. We got more people looking uh, for right. It. It's
1: like whole genome sequencing, right? We're going to have more outbreaks because of whole genome sequencing, not because there are more outbreaks. Right. But we're just going to detect more outbreaks. Yeah. We're going to detect more problems uh, because of because of the, the the structure being put in place with FISMA.
0: And that's that. To me, that's a really great thing. Maybe there's maybe there's a. Um, like with recalls, and, and our colleague Bill Hallman has, uh, has written a little bit about this or has alluded to it in a couple of his, uh, um, in, in his papers about recall fatigue. Um, maybe we get to a situation where it's like, okay, there, there's, some, there, there's some threshold where, where, where the public gets excited enough about food safety. It's like, oh, my gosh, look at all these things that are happening. But then there's so much that happens. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it's just another food safety thing, right? It's like, yeah, food's not, food's not safe or, or whatever. And I don't know if there's any like perception issues that happen over time with our increased inspections and warning letters and 43s or whether, whether it matters. I mean, in, in, in our world, it means we can identify p- more problems and deal with them better because there are more people that are, that are looking for them. And, and ultimately that should make food safer. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what that, how that plays out.
1: Right. And, and yeah, and you, you make a good point though about fatigue, right? Like, uh, if, if every, if the constant drumbeat is, oh my God, food is safe and this food is safe and that food is safe, is is not safe and this other food is not safe and it's just, everything's not safe. It's like, well, yes, but you know, most of the food that most of us eat most of the time is safe. It's just that, that you're, you're just now hearing about this and, and, you know, it's, it's like, it's like hearing about airplane accidents or car accidents. Well, you know, guess what, you know, cars crash and and airplanes uh, sometimes malfunction. Um, um, but that doesn't mean that you can't get from point A to point B uh, in a car or on an airplane. Or, you know, most of the time you can actually get from your backyard to your house um, with your dog and it's fine, right? It, Absolutely. But sometimes yeah. not. Sometimes some, not. Uh, sometimes just one, every once in a while it's a 40 stitch uh, trip. Yeah, exactly. exactly. 40 <laughs> stitch in uh, six, uh, seven, seven, eight, 9, 10 pins. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Before we move off listeria, mm-hmm. yep. I, want, I want to talk a little bit about uh, an outbreak that is happening in that has happened in Canada that we don't have a whole lot of information about, um, which it, it just like speaks to again the differences between Canada and the U.S. on food safety things. Um, did you see when you were in your uh, when you were incapacitated because um, this happened right around your the the, do- the dog uh, cat uh, situation that uh, there's some some people. Um, who are ill in Ontario from drinking chocolate milk and it's listed. I did not see this. No, I did
1: not see this at all.
0: And why why is that? I wonder because it's like if this happened in the. US I think we're talking about something that's that's fairly big. This is um, so Saputo um, who's a you know, large... Oh yeah I mean it's not not yeah. small We know some people yeah, we know, for... we
1: know we know some Saputo people. yeah
0: yeah. so they get uh, get this uh, um, uh, recall of uh, chocolate milk. Uh, That happened on June 4th, and there are specific lot codes uh, that came out. um, And uh, I saw this recall one day as I was, like, you know, pulling through the news stuff on a – I think it came out on a weekend. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then um, CFIA, uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency, has on the bottom of – now, nicely, on the bottom of all of their uh, recall notifications, a place that says illnesses, And uh, most times when we see recalls, it says, oh, there have been no reported illnesses. This one goes, hey, there have been illnesses reported that may be associated with the consumption of this product. Whoa. Yeah. Further lab testing is underway to confirm the link. And I was like, what what does this mean? How, uh, like, where, okay. So now I do a little more digging. And then um, I come across a statement from a provincial. Uh, chief medical officer of health and then that statement was then updated um so on on june 4th um it uh this is an ontario dr david williams who said "Uh, yeah we are investigating an outbreak june 12th it gets updated and says um we uh the product was recalled on june 4th um blah 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 it's now linked to an ongoing listeria investigation Uh, um and that is it. Doesn't say how many people, doesn't say anything, Don. Doesn't say where they got sick, how old they were, what, you know, what what it is. And when we look at milk, you know, we we talked a bunch about raw milk in the in the past, but when we talk about pasteurized milk, um with and listeria what's the likely source? Probably some post pasteurization contamination. And and so if this had been in the US, I think we've got like all the stuff that we see on CRF where Okay, there's you know uh, a nice um, CDC report on this outbreak. We've got some statements from FDA. People are looking for it. We just don't know enough about about what's going on. And again, this is just you and I. It's not like we like to know just you know for interest sake. Like there's something to be learned here. If it's how big is this outbreak? If we hear about you know people that. Uh, that make other dairy items. And they're like, ah, people don't get sick. It's like, well, here's another example of people getting sick. So we do have to focus on these things. Post-pasteurization, um, holding, cleaning and sanitizing, a whole bunch of different things. We don't even know what the source is. But still today, all we know is some people are sick. And we think it's linked to this.
1: Well, and I love, I love the way that you end your BARF blog post uh, with a sentence that says, maybe the Public Health Agency of Canada or the Provisional Health folks will let uh, folks, will let folks, that's no, not a good sentence. Sorry, I'm going to edit as we go. Um, we'll let people know how many illnesses, how they link them, and what the time frame was, sort of like how CDC does. Yeah. Right? It's like you're not asking for that much, right? You're not asking for that much. No.
0: And it's important stuff for us to learn about. And if it's not in the public realm, it, we're, we're, no, none of us are doing our jobs. None of us. Oh, Don. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know I don't know. Um, so so there's that. And then I wanted to talk about I'm I'm, just, I'm running the show here today. I know you got I don't want you don't want your wrist to get uh, to get too tired. With all, it's okay.
1: I'm I'm location. using my other wrist. Okay.
0: <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere, Don. I don't know where it is. Um. So, uh, um yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, uh,
1: that's, that's for the uh, the uh, the adult version of the podcast. That's right.
0: That's right. Um, so since our last uh, recording, there was uh, a um, – uh, uh, what was it? Inspector General? Office of Inspector General released this uh, uh, sample of um, uh, analysis on FDA and food recalls. And
1: yes, and so yes.
0: It's a fun one because and I is. I don't have a whole lot to say on this. Other than I think this is uh, not the whole story, so so here's um, I'm, I'm going to read from you from the U S US, yeah USA Today coverage from Liz Zabo, who's a good good writer who uh, we talk to every once in a while. Um, she uh, writes that uh, as according to the office, uh, this report from the Office of Inspector General, who looked at 30 recalls between 2012 and 2015. Um, that uh, it took up to 165 days from when the agency knew that there was a problem for a recall to um, exist. And in another one of those recalls, it took 81 days from the time that FDA became aware of the adulterated product for a recall to, to happen. And so um, although FDA uh, it has a recall Authority, they don't have an efficient and effective process to set a deadline for food manufacturers to voluntarily recall their tainted food. And this that is the sentence that I want to focus on here. Mm-hmm. There these two examples are like super bad actors. That's it. Like right. to me, these right. are these are folks right. that are saying, FDA, screw off. You don't know what you're talking about. Prove to us that it's us. And, in fact, both of these cases, I think we detailed at least one of them multiple times in, uh, uh, in Barf Blog. And I'll have to find it. It's a Sprout company in Virginia that, like, fought, went to court with FDA, um, went to court with VDAX, the Department of Agriculture. Um, and I'll, let me find the history on this. Uh, sprout. It is, like, so this isn't the norm. This isn't like – we see tons of recalls all the time, and I, my, my guess, based on following this daily, that a company has a problem, there's a lag period, right? Or FDA comes to somebody or a State Department of Agriculture or a State Department of Health comes to somebody and says, look, we've been doing some um, routine sampling or a supplier's done some sampling. Um, we've found a, a pathogen in your product. You've got to do something about it. We suggest that you go ahead and recall this. And that – Means that that company has to make some decisions about how much they're going to recall when they're going to do it, you know, but, but in the, as I read these, most of these recall situations, um, that, that we see day in day out, it's like in a pretty normal time frame. It's like, yeah, it looks like they found something out and it took them a couple of days to make a decision, which is understandable. And it would be like, like nice to know that it could be quicker than that. Um, and, and you know, that, that, probably has to do better with data sharing, but it's not usually this, like 165 days or 81 days, and these are situations where people are are just being DB, DBs. Is that, can I say can I say the can I call them douchebags?
1: I, I think I, I, just well, did. I just I think did. DBs was okay,
0: but yeah, it's not. It's, I'm sorry, I'm getting all graphic today, Don. <laughs> yeah, you're you're angry, Ben. You're angry about I, this. I am angry about this because this is. Um, I think this gives FDA a bad a bad rap, and and th- they can do that enough on their own.
1: Thing. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't. Yeah, we should. We shouldn't pile on. No. Uh, we. Sh- you know. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly.
0: And, and in fact, there's, we know that there's really good people there that are trying to work within the system, and, and often FDA does a, a, a good job. And th- this is, uh, I think, a, a report that that cherry picks a couple of things that are really egregious, but it has little to do with FDA, and it has to
1: do with the system that FDA has to fit within, which means a- that they have to go to court sometimes. It takes time. A- Exactly, and and yes, and again, this this podcast, at least as uh, as I tell it, uh, or as as I as I envision it, is about numbers, and it's about looking at numbers. And you're right to cherry pick the outlier. Yes, the outliers are a problem. And we need to focus on the outliers, but let's not let's not damn. If let's look at the range of things. Let's look, and then let's look at those outliers, and let's figure out why they're outliers. Is it outliers because some fat cat uh, bureaucrat is sitting there, uh, you know, playing uh, Pong on his uh, on his phone? Uh, instead of doing his job? Probably not. Yeah, yeah, probably not. So anyway.
0: Yeah, well, and so I just found this, and we'll, we'll link to this in show notes. Um, it's uh, the, the one that I'm talking about is a, a company um, uh, called Henry's, Henry's Farm Incorporated that we've talked about a bunch on Barf Blog. And this, this one went so far that they had to get, like, the Department of Justice involved, and they went to court, and they, um, you know, so this is a from a press release from march 3rd um uh, owner Susie park uh w- was they had a consent decree that prohibits this farm from receiving processing manufacturing and preparing because this per this individual in this company just refused to remove product from the um from the from the market and then we have a system that's not like super flo- slow you have to go do an investigation we have a In in a good way, we have a system that says you are innocent until proven guilty and we've got to go through this process. So it's – I mean it's just hard for me to blame FDA for that.
1: Right and 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 again just for, you know although the raw milk people would would suppose that FDA is out there picking on them FDA actually believe it or not they actually have to follow the rules and they have to follow the laws and they can't they can't break the laws right they they have to follow those laws explicitly and and in fact if they were to hurry things along and break the law um they could get in a lot of trouble yeah and and what what's
0: probably going to happen if they break those laws is that this these egregious Acts and
1: oh they're going to get away with it. Exactly, (laughs) exactly, because because if you break the if if FDA doesn't follow its own rules, um, then 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 that's not a case anymore. It's like it's like if they if FDA decided like well we don't want to use AOAC methods anymore. We want to use something that's faster. Well, that's fine, but guess what? Now that case doesn't stand up in court because you've used a method that's not an approved method. So they have to follow these approved methods, even though they might be old-fashioned. And they can use the modern methods, too. But if it's legal, if it's, it's going to be in a court of law, they have to use a method that will stand up to the court of law.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And, and, and help them – and maybe this does this – but help them fix the system or spe- streamline the system. And even if like, so w- one of the things that this inspector general report calls out is that they, that FDA doesn't set a deadline for food manufacturers to voluntarily recall tainted food. Like they don't have a playbook on, on that. Well, even if they set that deadline, it still doesn't stop these two cases. Like that doesn't right. fix the situation. It's like, okay, right. you have a week to recall this stuff, you know, we, or, or read to vol- voluntary recall it. And if you don't voluntarily recall it, we're going to go ahead and do a mandatory recall. Well, that, process gets challenged. Like there's, it's still essentially, I don't want to buy food and we shouldn't have people that produce food in the marketplace that if FDA says you should recall your product, go, you know, wink, wink, we think this is a good idea that they don't go ahead and do it. But we have lots of, it takes a, let's see if I can squeeze this cliche uh, in here. It takes a whole bunch of people to make the world go round, Don. Some that are going to argue against the system, and there's a process to deal with it. It's just not a fast process.
1: Well, and I think we've talked about in the past, we've talked about the example of the company that I worked with uh, that was facing a recall of their peanut-containing candies um, because they had the misfortune to buy uh, peanut paste from uh, Peanut Corporation of America. And they drug their feet because they didn't want to do a recall right around Valentine's Day when they when they sell most of their product. And you know, it turns out they did drag their feet. We did some risk calculations. They did some research in the laboratory. And it turned out in the end, they didn't need to do a recall because their pro- they could prove uh, to the agency their product was safe. But in getting to that, they, they drug their feet a little bit, you know, uh, and that's, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's the way it works sometimes. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yes.
0: And so in a sense, good on the inspector general for looking at things in recall. D- uh, don't, don't slap FDA's hands for having to work within the system. Hopefully, this helps us make the
1: system better. Better. Exactly. Better, exactly. Better, better, better.
0: Good job, good job. So yeah, that was. Uh, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of fun. I mean, when we you and I don't talk for a month, look how fired up we get. Just so excited, so excited.
1: I but but I think that we should uh, we should probably uh, we should probably n- not go a month between podcasts if never. we can help it. Never again. Yeah. Okay. Never, All right. never, never. again. Never again. Never again. Hey. Yeah. So Make I, I know too. I know. Make that. I know you're. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank okay, you. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, uh, I know. I know you're in charge of the podcast today, I but am. I have a. I have a canning safety question for you. Go, go, go. Okay. Um, so, um, Dr. Chapman, uh, I edit a monthly publication distributed to members of the state's electronic cooperatives. And we recently received an interesting letter from a reader below. Um, the question is about canning recipes that include butter and cornstarch. Um, we found varied opinions online, uh, but, uh, but what is your take? Um, uh, and and the, the, the letter reads as follows. Um, I love your magazine. I do have a complaint. The canning recipes that you have in the uh, July issue are not safe. One calls for cornstarch. The other calls for butter and cornstarch. Both are no-nos, Ben. They are no-nos. 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 You can call your local extension office, and they'll tell you it's not safe to can either one of those. So, Ben, Ben, uh, true or false, okay? Okay. Uh, Is it safe? Is it safe to can cornstarch or butter and cornstarch? Ready? Go. True. It is safe. It is safe. It is safe. But, But Ben, Ben, if you call your local extension office, they'll tell you it's not safe. Well, that that actually might be true, that part. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that, that part, I'm, uh, yeah. It depends, depends on not, yeah, you know, where, where, what state that might be. It depends.
1: Depend. depends. It depends. And is it is complicated? <laughs>
0: it is complicated. Yeah. So, so good, good question. I, thanks for uh, hitting on this one. I did get the, this exact email, which
1: led yeah, to me. Yeah. So yeah, let let, let, let us uh, let the readers in on a joke. We're actually reading. I'm actually reading from an email that that uh, Ben was sent uh, that he then sent to me that I saved into our, our directory for uh, for discussion on the podcast. So yes, go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and so this um, this email uh, pertains to two specific recipes. One for something that I would love to eat, which is green tomato pie filling. I've never had it, but I think I would eat it. I think I would put that into like a in like a tart or something, um, and. Uh, the other one was uh, for something else. I can't remember. I'll have to look at it. Anyway, the question that came from uh, this editor of the magazine was: Should we? Um, oh, it was a it was a salsa. Should we? Uh, you know, should we uh, retract these these recipes? Is it you know as simple as don't put one cup of cornstarch into a, a canned? Um, uh, you know, home food preserved product, or or you know, should we be looking for that in all of them? And so I, I went through. My answer was, well, it's not entirely true because we do have um, recipes that uh, come from the source, as you and I will echo over and over again. Not to speak on your behalf, but I think I know your answer to this one: that we have mm. a very, very good, I- important, excellent. Wonderful colleague at the University of Georgia, Dr. Elizabeth Andrus, and uh, actually two colleagues there, because Dr. Judy Harrison, who we also uh, work with, uh, both um, uh, are, you know, uh, um, Elizabeth is the director of the National Center for Home Food Preservation, uh, and Judy uh, is part of, that, part of that group, and they both work on testing recipes uh, to make sure that they are safe. And, and we do have recipes that they've tested that contain uh, some sort of cornstarch, uh, either cornstarch or modified cornstarch, but in a very controlled kind of way. Like, I know that if I add a tablespoon of cornstarch, it's going to thicken up this soup or sauce or whatever it might be. Um, but I, if I just, you know, willy-nilly, Willie Nelson, add a cup of cornstarch to something, that might uh, impact the heat penetration. So I answer the question by saying essentially that. And I tried to give a little bit of background. It's like, look, we're really concerned about a couple of things, and here's how people test recipes. We worry about Clostridium botulinum and then vegetative pathogens, and we can control those by both changing the pH or using a high-acid food when it comes to bot and then doing some sort of heat processing when it comes to these other vegetative pathogens, um, and especially something like acid-tolerant E. coli, uh, 0157. And so... um, I don't think that these recipes can't answer your question on whether these recipes are safe. I eyeball them. I don't think I, I, I would have problem with the knowing what the heat penetration was. Uh, but from a acidity standpoint, I thought they were probably okay, but I didn't have any, I was sitting on a plane. I was like, you know, I don't have a way to figure out what the pH of that is. Um, and so I sent them and said, uh, here are the things that uh, you should do when you're, Doing uh, a magazine where you're using recipes, you should go to the National Center Home Food Preservation and use theirs because we know that they're tested.
1: And, exactly. And have exactly. Data. But thanks yep. for
0: yeah. I, I I answered that question and because you you and I we we either CC or BCC each other on certain things, and I I had my. Best Don Schaffner answer hat on when I wrote that. Uh-huh. I did. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. I,
1: I must, I liked it for a reason. That must have been it. So, yeah,
0: it was, yeah, it was like, oh, this sounds like something that I would have maybe written. Um, so no, that was the, that was uh, where I went and, um, and I did highlight uh, some problems that I had with the recipes, like a statement saying, process full oh. jars in boiling water bath canner for the appropriate amount of time for elevation. <laughs> Which doesn't. Yeah, what really,
1: does that mean? I don't know. What does that even mean?
0: It means if yeah. you, if you do it uh, if you do it high up, do uh, do it for the appropriate time, and then and especially if you do it down low,
1: also do well, it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on the second. I'm on the second floor. Um, yeah. What's what's my process time now? Well, just do the, use the appropriate time, Don. Appropriate just, time. Yeah, okay. The appropriate, Got it. Yeah. Appropriate.
0: Oh, yeah. well, and, and then you could say, oh, I think I'm gonna underprocess that. Uh, yeah, you might have used the inappropriate time. Got to use the appropriate time. Yeah. So so anyway. Um, I'm glad, I'm very glad that someone reached out to me. Uh, I And and again, so let's go back to the common theme for our conversation here is if you're doing something like um, sending out recipes and that's part of what your, your, your book is about, your magazine, you should probably know what some of the, like, bad consequences could be if you send out a wrong recipe. And then in turn go to sources where you know that people have data on it. And then maybe that's asking too much because – you don't have, you know, to, to run a magazine, you don't even have to go through any sort of uh, specific food safety training.
1: Well, and I know for, for many years, I don't know whether it was uh, Dear Abby or Ann Landers, but one of them, maybe both of them, would just refuse to run recipes. And not just not just uh, canning recipes where somebody could die, but cookie recipes. Because invariably, um, some uh, copy editor somewhere would transpose uh, teaspoons into tablespoons, and then the recipe would be horrible, and then that person would be really pissed off at Dear Abby or Ann Landers um, f- for no fault of their own uh, because uh, because somebody uh, changed a little T to a big T. So, um, you know, re- be careful about sharing your recipes
0: Yeah, well, and also, like, you're open to like, if you share a recipe, someone's gonna hate it anyway, right? Like, it's never gonna right. <laughs> you're gonna have people that are right. like, "Oh, that's the greatest recipe." Have you noticed? I have a question. Now that we're on recipes, do you have friends on the on the Facebook? Um, that's my first question. Do you have friends on the Facebook, Don?
1: I do, yeah. and and some of them I'm even friends with in real life. So
0: some of your friends and in some of them
1: life. I've unfriended recently. I, I like I, that.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> Well, I've I've hidden them. I every once in a while I like to read things. I, uh,
1: I got I, I got angry. Uh, I I unfriended somebody, and uh, he immediately sent me a friend request, and I have yet to honor it. So, and you know you know who you you know this person, and you sure. may do. even listen may even listen to the podcast. Um, uh, but I I'm just I was just angry about guns, but that that's another that's another podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the gun safety pod. Gun, safety, gun talk.
1: safety talk. Yeah, it's a different
0: it's on a different network. Um, <laughs> uh, so 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 on the Facebook sometimes. Um, you see things like these videos of like thirty second recipes, like how to make like chicken salsa, or no d- chicken fajitas. Have you seen these things, these videos? You know?
1: I have not. I'm not friends with the right people. Apparently,
0: I, don't, I can't find one right now, but I'll send you a link to these. We'll talk about it in the next uh, podcast. I think it is the new, like I, I think I got to we got to figure out how to get food safety messages in there because it it seems to be like the new way. That my friend group on the Facebook are sharing recipes, and these are like it's it's just an overhead shot of a pan, and, or a cook like in, in its hands, and it's like okay, so you put this stuff in a pan, and then you move it around, and then you then you have oh, these, these things. I have I have seen these. Yes, I have. They're they're very clever. They're very clever, and they're very short, and they are. Um, uh, if you're watching them on your phone and there's no audio, they're subtitled, and it's like they are the perfect spot for us to to get in there, um, for, uh, for the next, uh, for the next thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Okay. So let's, uh, let's do it.
0: Um, so, so there you go. Um, what, uh, what else, what else you got, what else you got for us?
1: Well, we have 35 different documents that I've saved and we've talked about maybe two of them so far. So I don't know. Uh, what do you, uh, you got something else that's, uh, burning, uh, burning a hole in your, uh, microphone there?
0: Um, let me think. Da, 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 da. What is, uh, what, are the, what do people do on these ones? What is, I, I had a, I had a question for you. And this is, sure. this is one I wanted to know. The, I want you to know, want you to tell me what one of these was. Cause I couldn't figure it out. It is the statistical modeling Casual Interference in social science albedo boy is back and it yes. has tro- trolls in it and it's filed under zombies and, it, <laughs> and 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 it's got lasers and it talks about theoretical physics and I didn't and there's a bunch. <laughs> like it it, it was it, I didn't I don't know what it is I mean, I want to know what you're what what, you, what are you thinking here what's what's this what's the story behind this uh, this troll albedo boy
1: yeah, so so one of the one of the uh, great uh, podcasts or great blogs that I subscribe to in my news feed is is called Statistical. It has the has the very catchy title of Statistical <laughs> Modeling, Causal Inference, and Social Science. Um, and so, um, and, and the reason the reason why I like this was was thinking about, um, what's his name, who is the uh, food, the 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 Microsoft guy. Nathan uh, Mervold. Who is also Mer- Nathan Mer- Mervold, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is kind of like a Nathan uh, Mervold guy. And I, I have to admit, I put this in here. And actually, you can tell that somewhere in here it does, uh, oh, you know what? This is Mervold, right? Yeah, Mervold. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mervold. So that's why I linked that's to it. That's what That's um, Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just this guy, uh, this patent troll. Oh, and that's why there's trolls there. Yeah, so so Nathan Mervold is a is a is a horrible human being in my opinion. He is a tra- uh, a, a uh, patent troll. What a patent troll is is somebody who makes their money uh, buying up a, or he t- guess he made a lot of money at Microsoft, and then he bought a bunch of patents, and now he just has lawyers and he sues people for infringing on his patents. And so um, yeah, so so I just I just uh, uh, grabbed this just because I was interested in, in, in people that saying like, you know, being annoyed with, uh, with Nathan Mervold. And so, um, it's a, it's a big, long, uh, uh, post, which we will link to, but basically the idea is, is that, um, oh, and I, yeah. And I added, uh, I, I, my comment, uh, that I, you'll see at the very bottom oh, of the article there it is. Yeah. Is, is potshots at food safety regulations are similarly flawed. And I linked to the, the, uh, Barf blog, uh, uh, post that I wrote. And so it's just, you know, it's just about people that, here's the thing, Ben, smart people that know a lot about a lot of different things doesn't mean that you know everything about everything. And and I guess what, the only thing that, the thing that particularly, and I apologize for not being more prepared to talk about this, but the thing that particularly resonates with me is just, you know, just people, people just shooting their mouth off about stuff that they don't know about, you know, and and being very full of themselves. And I, that just made me angry. And like I said, mostly just because I, I piled on with uh, with the fact that he didn't know anything about food safety, so... Well, so yeah, that's 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 all I got. Uh we can we can link no, to the we can link to the actual article and people can read for, you know for more information if they want, but Well,
0: and wasn't he he wasn't he in the news about like arguing that maybe someone's going to like and this there's an illusion in here, but that we're going to get hit by an asteroid? And, like that was
1: what maybe that Oh, that was, was it? what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes, as well. So, yeah. So Yeah, and, so, and yeah, so well, the the news the news story is um uh somewhere in uh, yeah. Oops crap I just I opened it and then I I closed it uh oh, it's you know Ben it is very it is very hard to uh, to type with one hand, especially where that, that hand is not your dominant hand. I don't know if you know that, but uh, this is a uh, the the, this, the article uh, that the blog post is commenting on is an article from sciencemag.org, uh, and it says, billionaire technologist accuses NASA asteroid mission of bad statistics. So here, here Nathan Mervold, who, is, who loves to take pot shots at all kinds of government agencies, including FDA, although he sometimes forgets that the food code is only a model. Food code that regulates restaurants and is not what regulates the right. um, food processing industry. Now that's that's a you know that's a, that's a that's a you know that's that's kind of a major mistake, right? To not understand the regulations that you're talking about. But I would think so. anyway, um, I, I would think so too. So anyway, so um, and I'll just read the first first sentence because it's pretty brilliant. Nathan Mervold, ex Microsoft billionaire, patent accumulator, I'd call him patent troll, dinosaur geek, and noted molecular gastronomist, has a new obsession: asteroids. Um, uh, he is uh, he, the CEO of Bellevue, Washington-based Intellectual Ventures, says that scientists using a prominent NASA space telescope have made fundamental mistakes in their assessment of the size of more than 157,000 asteroids they have observed. And, and again, you know, the, the blog post which we will also link to, which is entitled "Albedo Boy Is Back," um, is basically just saying he's just he's just kind of a kind of a jerk, and he's not as smart as he thinks he, he's really smart, but he's not as smart as he thinks he is. So, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's all. That's, that's all I got. It, so it was, it, yeah, well, it was okay. It was adequate.
0: Uh, not bad. Not bad.
1: Um, I. Okay. <laughs> he does have a PhD in theoretical physics. Well, doesn't make him right, but it doesn't make him a dilettante either. So he, with respect to food safety, he's a dilettante. But yes, with theoretical physics, he's maybe not a dilettante.
0: <laughs> right, right. That's that's not a bad way to to talk about Mr. Mervold. I'd love to have him. <laughs> we'd love to have him on the show.
1: Yeah, he can come on anytime,
0: anytime, anytime. Uh, okay, so I got one more thing for you that I want to hit on right. before before we uh, eject and uh, and uh, close this close this off for another for another episode. Um, our friend, uh, Lynn McMullen made some news earlier this month. Do you know about, yes. you know, about, you know about this? You do. Cause you put it in the, I saw this, I saw this. Yeah. So, so I have a, so interesting one. So, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Lynn, uh, is a microbiologist at, the uh, University of Alberta. And she, um, uh, published a, a paper in, um, uh, something called Frontiers Microbiology. Um, about uh, genetic determinants of heat resistance in E. coli. And uh, the news sort of pickup uh, for this, which is, you know, I, when asked to talk about what so, some of this means, she found that, and her group found that uh, there were certain um, isolates that they had uh, of um uh, sugar toxin producing E. coli that would potentially survive or would survive the ones that the, isolates, uh, the recommended endpoint temperatures, uh, for, um, log reductions in, in ground beef for, you know, five to seven log reduction of, uh, pathogens. And, um, this, uh, played out, uh, uh while I was in Canada. Um, where my seems only appropriate like, seems appropriate. Yeah, where my father in law asked me uh, specifically, he's like, "So should I?" This is not not we didn't talk about it. He's like, read in the in the National Post that uh, I need to cook uh, hamburgers uh, to a hotter temperature, but no one knows what temperature that is."
1: <laughs>
0: is that true? Excellent. And I said, "Yeah, maybe, po- maybe, possibly, maybe." And and yeah. this is um, so here's here's my take. I want to get your your thoughts on this. Sure. Um, the what 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 we don't know, and I used your term as I re- responded to him, and I talked to somebody else uh, at a meeting uh, about toxin producing E. coli in beef, someone from the beef industry about this. What we don't know is um, the, the prevalence, right? Like, we don't know the denominator. Um, how much of the pathogenic E. coli out there that is thermotolerant or heat-resistant is there, and what What's the likelihood of that being in in our beef, and how hot does it need to get uh, to to effectively um, you know uh, uh, to to get to our, the log reductions that we currently set for a threshold, and how much of it is dying um, all you know already, like uh, even though it's it's thermal you know thermal resistant, so it's like what. We don't yes, it's what's really great about what, what Lynn did is now we, now we have to start answering those questions, right? Like now we have to do more work, and maybe this explains in certain situations outbreaks and illnesses where someone might have been following the recommended practices but still still got sick and it was an unknown situation. And how many of those illnesses we have, we don't know, but now we have to start answering more questions about well, how prevalent is this and is it is, is this a bigger problem than we thought, or is this not? Is it small? But the, the work is, I, I think, you know, drastically important to, as a stepping point to those other questions.
1: Yeah, and, and absolutely props uh, to Lynn for for doing this. This is a great piece of work. It's a very clever uh, and interesting piece of work. And so, yeah, so essentially I give, would give the same answer that you would give, right? is we need to know. So first of all, we need to know how common is this specific strain, right, yep. that, that is causing this problem, right? So, so is, it, is it highly uh, likely to occur or is it not highly likely to occur? Okay, when it does occur, what is the prevalence? And when it does occur, what is the concentration? Right, and and actually, this is this is kind of interesting because I'm working on again another another uh, consulting assignment for a company. I don't even know who the company is because the lawyer the lawyer emailed me and said I've been contracted by a company um, and they want to hire you, but they don't want you to know who they are. <laughs> um, and uh, and they basically got three three production runs of product with a quarter million servings of product where they didn't have good temperature control during their cooking operation. And they want to know what's the likelihood uh, that the product uh, is safe. And so I've got to know about, I've got to be able to understand the variability of the cooking process. I've got to understand prevalence and concentration of the target pathogen and I've also got to be able to figure out a way to estimate the cooking dynamics because all they have is endpoint temperature so I've got to figure out some way to do an integrated lethality calculation because the temperature rises and then it falls, right? And so I could imagine you could use a similar approach with this, right? So in other words, let's look at the world of cooking directions out there, let's look at the prevalence and concentration of this particular uh, strain of E. coli, okay? Um, and then uh, let's figure out how common it is. and then let's figure out whether it's overkill. Now, the good news is, in terms of the safety of cooking, if you look at USDA Appendix A, um, those are six and a half and seven log reductions for uh, pathogenic E. coli and salmonella. That is a lot of E. coli and salmonella, right? And so um, uh, the... I don't want to say because we don't know, but but you could you could take a risk-based approach to this and you might discover that uh, you know it's uh, it's not uh, we really don't need to modify the cooking directions because in fact, uh, most of the time it's still safe or the the impact of this discovery is is relatively minor. It's kind of like actually, and it, it relates to the work that I've been doing is because it really matters. Um, in terms of uh, thermal inactivation of salmonella is, do we need, we need Linda on the podcast to pronounce the name of this organism correctly, but I'm going to uh, pronounce it incorrectly and say salmonella Seftenberg, right? Um, it, it turns out that the, the inactivation kinetics of salmonella matter depending on whether you have a cocktail that has Seftenberg in it, the cocktail, or not. Right. And, and, and so essentially that would that would be what we would say here. The, the inactivation kinetics of, of E. coli are generally based on cocktail experiments, mixtures, right? And so the question is, do you have this organism in the mixture or not? And so granted, um, some people use Seftenberg, some people don't. Um, and so that is going to have an impact on risk. But at, at the end of the day, the impact on risk may be relatively minor or it may only be relevant for edge cases. That, that is situations where you had a particularly high slug, a particularly high prevalence. Or particularly poor uh, cooking practice, and so again, uh, kudos to Lynn for doing it because it's a really a nice, a really nice piece of work. Um, this is exactly the kind of work that we need to advance the, the science of risk assessment and of food microbiology. But the implications are not yet clear, again, because we need we need uh, to do some calculation. I would I would need to do some calculations.
0: Right, and and but this is uh, you know I, I'm glad you um, you touched on the risk assessment. Um, uh, Framework here that this that this fits into with with your example because this this does lead to you know it, it could lead down the road to some interesting risk management decisions that include do I look specifically and as Lynn we'll we'll link to the original article um, as as her group uh, termed this uh, this area um, genetically on the genome that. Um, uh, leads to heat resistance as the genomic island of, of locus of heat resistance (LHR). If if I could look specifically for this LHR um, with 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 a rapid method in a in a uh, ground beef facility or in a cooked beef area facility or cooked meat area, um, not area um, type uh, type operation, then I can make better risk management decisions, right? Like that. I I could be incorporating this as an additional um analysis that's going to help me figure out okay does this specific batch go somewhere else where we're not rec- we're not um uh going to rely on uh cook temperatures in the home or or not like it 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 does it, it's these are the types of things that that I get really excited about where it's like well now we have the potential for more information to lead to a different or better or more complete risk management decision.
1: Well, and we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast with respect to listeria, just to bring it back to the beginning of the podcast, right? Um, the, the listeria strains that show up in plants are not don't, don't show up in the same frequency in terms of illness in humans and so in other words if you have one particular strain that's in 10% of all the plants, it doesn't necessarily cause 10% of all the illnesses and you might have a strain of Listeria that's only in 1% of all the plants or 1% of all the samples that causes 20% of all the illnesses. Like, so if from a risk management point of view of, of managing Listeria in my plant, I want to know whether I have one of those that's more likely to cause human illness or less. Now they all theoretically could cause human illness but but I want to know, you know do I have this one that's especially dangerous? Or in this case, do I have this E. coli that is especially heat resistant? So, unfortunately, the nature of science is that the, the better the questions we ask, the more complicated the answers become. Um, and, and ultimately, some clever risk managers are going to need to make some simplifying assumptions so that we can, you know, so that we can get, get through to the end of the day and make a decision as to how much do we cook our beef.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that's, this is, this, it's always it's always exciting when we get more you know, more, more push to, to better decisions. I like it. I like yeah. it, Don. Yes. Uh, I think we should, uh, I think we should call this the show. I think we should. I think we should. And I'm glad, I'm so glad we got back, back on the bike.
1: Indeed. Or on the uh, chair, on the treadmill on or, or whatever the analogy is. I yes. haven't even heard back on, back, back on the saddle,
0: back in the saddle. I haven't even heard the wheels on your, on your chair going. As, as your treadmill runs, it's very, that, it's, very it's
1: very quiet.
0: Yeah, very it's quiet. A good low low resistance uh, wheels. I like that. It must and I I I could just have this like imagination of the contraption where you have a bungee cord wrapped around it, so, you, <laughs> so it's gliding, but you're not shooting off the back of it, all that all that stuff. So, um, hey, great great to get get back. Uh, and uh, thanks thanks again for making time and and let's not let's not leave it let's not leave it a month again. We can't handle. It. Let's let's
1: hope not. I don't know. You know, we may have to. um, uh, And we're getting kind of into the after dark here because I am going out of the country. But anyway. That's true. It's true. Well, hey, um, great show. uh,
0: And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dark Tom, here we go. Yeah, so uh, so, yeah, you're she, away for a while.
1: In two weeks, I'm out of the country, but uh, if you wanted to push uh, it, uh, we could do we could do it, we could do another one in a week. I'm I'm, I'm still in town in a week. Um, and when do you come back? Not until the 23rd, uh, Wait, uh, not there. until the 25th. 25th. <laughs> Writing buddies day,
0: let's do it in a week. Let's do it. All right. Why not? Why not? We left it a month. Right. Why we not? got enough stuff. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. How about uh, so how, how the eighth? Um, I think I'm good all day. I have like two little things. Like something like a noon or one o'clock would be awesome on the eighth.
1: Um, That sounds good. That's normally the time when uh, I meet with my students, but I have canceled uh, canceled group meeting because I don't want to drive. I can't drive, so um, that would be fine. So we can do uh, what time? Noon?
0: Noon. Let's do noon.
1: What? Noon? A lunchtime.
0: FST recording. Cool. Boom. Boom. It's in there. Uh, All right. And I've got this, and I'm going to get it out today.
1: Good, and I'm gonna—I'll drop the uh, show notes uh, links in the Dropbox today. Love it, right? Love right it. now,
0: right? Right now, done. Done. Uh, All right. Hey, thanks. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, sounds good. I'll uh, talk to you in a week. All right. Take okay. care, Ben. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.